We're talking Iowa football and basketball today. Brian Ferentz, he can't come back for his seventh year as the offensive coordinator, can he? Well, maybe some interesting nuggets coming out today. A possibility of a press conference that never came to being. We break things down here today. Of course, we get ready for Iowa-Michigan on the hardwood. A big one coming up tomorrow for the Hawkeyes. Back in Carver after the road win last week against Rutgers. Can the Hawkeyes make it three in a row? The Iowa women cruise past Northwestern as they set up a showdown coming up this weekend. We talk some women's hoops and we get into portal talk. That's right. Recruiting, it never ends. Iowa missing on a couple of targets this week. Portal Kirk not looking quite as good as it did earlier in the week. That's all coming up today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. You can find us, of course, on Google, Stitcher, wherever you go. Apple, iTunes, we got you covered there. And you can also watch us on YouTube. While you're there, hit that subscribe button on the podcast side. Five-star ratings. That's what we're looking for. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. As we talk Iowa Hawkeye athletics with you, a busy week in front of us this winter sports season we got men's and women's basketball we got wrestling a lot going on but a lot of the conversation right now going on what's happening with the football team as college football is officially over after the national championship game on monday night a look towards the future we're going to talk about the transfer portal we're going to get into that today as iowa missed out on a couple of their bigger prospects here today and some frustration certainly that has come out uh, about that we'll talk about that today but want to start today a conversation if you've been joining us that we've had a whole bunch here over well a, a long time if you have followed me on my radio career uh, the six years of the brian ferentz era i have been a a very much somebody that didn't believe he should have got the job i was at the front of that the nepotism angle because of what we're going through right now and the inability for kirk ferentz to make the choice that needs to be made firing his son it's an impossibility with somebody like Kirk Ferentz to to able to be able to see that it's his boy, right? And that's why the university and why universities in general and many organizations have nepotism laws for something that we're seeing right now. So earlier this week, a couple of the beat reporters on the Iowa beat, both Tom Caker of HawkeyeReport.com, Chad Leistikow from the Des Moines Register. So both those guys mentioned that there's a possibility later this week we were going to see a press conference meeting with Kirk Ferentz and just talking with him. Something that he's done in the past. The first one of these January press conferences came back when they made the decision to pull out the reins from Jake Rudock and officially go with C.J. Beathard. It was a move that obviously worked out incredibly well for Iowa. They go on to 2015, the undefeated regular season, a 12-year mar a win mark that season. It was something that needed to be done, and they did it. So we've been waiting. When is this going to happen? And Kirk said he does not fire coaches in season. He will evaluate after the year. Well, the evaluation certainly is going on right now, and the evaluation cannot be anything shortable for his son. Now we heard Brian Boy, Huey out there. Have his excuses again. 
And he's a guy that says after the Ohio State game that he doesn't back down. He is a guy that then leading into the bowl game said, I thought I did the best I could with the hand I was dealt. To paraphrase, you're bad. He's bad at his job. And the continued conversation, well, this is just the way Kirk wants things run. This is not the way that Kirk Ferentz wants his team to be run. He doesn't want them to have the 130th offense in the country. They're relying so much on these great defenses and the special teams that has evolved to such a high level with LeVar Woods. Phil Parker, a star, an absolute great defensive coordinator and what he has done, taking what happened with, well, Norm Parker before him and evolving and changing and taking a good defense and taking it yet another level and evolving with the times and the ability to go out there and go with the cash position, understanding that you can't run three linebackers out there in today's day and age of college football, the way that they play up front. You can't get away playing just four or five guys on the defensive line. You have to build depth there. And they've done that. And of course, what do you does in the defensive backfield year after year after year, putting guys in the league, not highly regarded guys either two, three-star players and getting them a shot at the next level and guys that have collected paychecks. You have that. LeVar Woods has taken Iowa special teams to another level. It was solid for many of those years. A lot of good kickers early on in the Kirk tenure, of course, Nate Kading at the forefront of that, but he wasn't alone. It has gone to another level, and LeVar Woods is a big piece of this. And then you have the offense that has gone from average, bad at times, to absolutely untenable. The last two years, this is not a one-year problem either for Brian Ferentz and, and the way he's run the offenses. 2021, averaged 303 yards of total offense per game. That was good enough for 121st in the country. And then, of course, this year, 130th in the country, 251.6 yards per game for the offense. Oh, but... You know, it was good before that. We remember the great moments, right? The game against Ohio State in Kinnick Stadium, the whitewashing in the woodshedding game as they dominated against the Buckeyes. It was a great game. You go back to the Holiday Bowl. Oh, how great that was beating USC. And what a performance out of Brian. Well, he was aided by the defense. He was aided by special teams in that game. And the same thing can be said with the Ohio State game. Yes, he had two good games. If, if you have two good days at work in six years, you got a problem. And you have a problem with this team. Just look at the numbers. They're very simple. In a day and age where Iowa has gone more up-tempo, I mean, they have quickened the pace a little bit more. Look at just simple math. When teams are out there running 75, 80, sometimes 90 plays a game, and you're down there in the low 50s, it's just simple math. You're going to struggle. So they have improved the pace. They have gone that direction. And yet, yardage has not improved. Under Ken O'Keefe, and we're talking about a different era of football. His final 10 years as the offensive coordinator at Iowa. Iowa averaged 367 yards per game. Greg Davis, much maligned, averaged 360 yards per game. And now in today's day and age, as offenses continue to evolve and more and more teams across the country, everybody can move the football. Everybody's putting up yardage numbers. They have cratered. They're down to 332 yards per game in the six years of Brian Ferentz. This is not a one-year anomaly. This is cratering over the last two years. You can come up with excuses. You can blame the wide receivers. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame Spencer Petras and the way the quarterback play has been. Ultimately, it comes back to the guy putting it all together. He's not a good play caller. He does not know how to develop. We hear this system takes forever to figure out. And for what? For the 130th ranked offense in the country. Yet, here we are. 
the evaluation certainly needs to be complete. Go back, watch the games again, give a fresh set of eyes, whatever it is. And if your takeaway after this is to give Brian Ferentz year number seven running this offense because, hey, we in the transfer portal, we got a tight end in Eric All, we got the quarterback in Cade Bammer, we're hope, hopeful there are going to be improvements on the offensive line. Dijon Parker comes in, all those sophomores, they get another year of development. We're going to be okay, and we're going to give him year number. You used your mulligan last year. Last year, you doubled down. And you said that in the spring. Kirk, you said just that. We're going to bet on ourselves. You're bankrupt. Your bet did not come home. It's time to make a change. Yet, with the news that we thought we were going to see a press conference this week, and that being pushed back now even further, the concern continues to grow for me that there isn't going to be a change. And listening to the beat, guys, look, I'm a guy on a podcast. I got a radio show in Des Moines on KXNO, but I don't have many sources. I got a couple of people in the athletic department. Anytime I have any information, I'll pass it along to you. That's what I do. But I am not like one of the beat people. And to hear the split, it's like 50-50. Half the guys that are on the beat believe that there is going to be a change. That Brian's going to take a job with the Patriots. He's going to get that safety net. He's going to move on, and there will be a change. The other half? don't believe that there is going to be a change. Brad Heinrichs, who we talked about him, head of Iowa Swarm, the collective, he doesn't believe that there's going to be a change. And that's where we are right now. Even the beat people don't know the way that this is going to play out. If it's year number seven of Brian Ferentz, things are going to get ugly. The numbers say you have to make a change. Everything points to making a change. And yet, here we are. Two weeks into January. Almost two weeks past the bowl game, and still no news. When we thought we were going to get a press conference, it's being moved back, moved into next week. Speculation, figuring it out, what it makes for me as a very concerned Hawkeye fan, and I think you should be too. We'll continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. The transfer portal has been good to Iowa, but there's the other side. Looking for a wide receiver, we've talked a lot about Isaac Tesla. He will not be an Iowa Hawkeye. How about the big offensive tackle from Stanford, Walter Rouse? Not going to be a Hawkeye. It's coming up Snake Eyes here the last couple of days for Iowa in the transfer portal. Where do they turn next? And a huge one coming up tomorrow as Iowa takes on Michigan. We break things down as we roll through here. It's the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Well, I am a sports wager. I love to fire. I got 12 plays here tonight in college basketball. It's my favorite sport to bet. And your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis is Bet Online. You can get the latest odds and the trends for every professional and amateur league out there as we get ready for the NFL playoffs coming up, basketball with the NBA, of course, college hoops going on. All betonline.net. We got our first major of the year also right around the corner in tennis. You're looking for the Aussie Open. Hey, they got you covered there. How about the first golf tournament? The real golf tournament that starts this week with the Sony Open. You know, I'm going to be firing at that. If you love sports podcasts, they also have those over at Bet Online. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website today or just hop on your phone to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Trent kind of continuing with you here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes 
your first listen each and every day. We've talked a little bit about the hope that there's change at the offensive coordinator spot. Uh, I know there's going to be more conversations. And when we get news, if there is news on that front, don't worry. We'll have an instant reaction podcast on whatever the decision is on that front. Going to talk some basketball. Iowa women with a big uh, win against Northwestern. We'll talk about that earlier this evening. We'll break things down on that front. And, of course, a big matchup for them right around the corner uh, coming up this weekend. The Iowa men against Michigan. But a little more on the football side of things. And that is the transfer portal. It's been great. Cade McNamara, Eric All, both from Michigan. The hope is you're going to see a big step forward from the quarterback position. position. Spencer Petrus, heck of a guy. Love the send-off that he got at Kinnick Stadium, and unfortunate the way that his career ultimately came to a close. We hope his career. And Cade McNamara is good to go. Eric All, him on a one-two punch with Luke Lachey. That's going to be fun to watch at the tight end position. We know Iowa in the past has done a good job of using multiple tight ends. But you need more at wide receiver. You need help at offensive line. They got Dijon Parker, Parker from Saginaw State. Flipped him from Virginia. All right, that's good news. There's help. But they're targeting a couple of guys. And two guys that have been talked about and bandied about a lot on Twitter, on the message boards, wherever you may be. First, Walter Rouse from Stanford. All Pac-12 player two years ago. Took a little bit of a step back this year. But really a ready-made tackle. A guy that was going to step in right away and really solidify that offensive line. Came down to a final three of Iowa, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. He made the decision. He's going to Nebraska. He's going to be a Husker over there. So that one stings a little bit more. Look, if you went to Oklahoma, that's one thing. Good to see him play down there, playing in the Big 12 for at least one four season. You'd anticipate all well and good. Unless you see him in a bowl game, not going to have to worry about seeing him. But knowing that he is going to be looming on Black Friday in the last regular season game of the year and helping our neighbors to the West, just not a real good feeling. And you wonder what I was selling. What... For an offensive lineman, what the sales pitch is. Tristan Wirfs is going to get one of the biggest contracts for an offensive tackle in the league coming up, as he will be signing a mega deal going forward. The history of offensive line development. But that development, Litterbaum's great. But has it dried up a little bit? I, I think it's a question that has to be out there, and you wonder if that's something that Walter Rouse talked about and thought about when he was going through the recruitment process. And then the other one is Isaac Tesla, a young man from Hillsdale College up in Michigan, D2 player, huge numbers. Iowa was one of the first teams that offered him. We knew we needed wide receiver help, had to go that direction. And he had a lot of offers. He had tons of opportunities. His last visit was to Colorado. Miami was involved early on. I think there was a Texas a and I mean, he had some big time offers, took visits, Iowa, Iowa State. And ultimately, his third visit, Arkansas, is where he ends up. Going to be playing in the SEC, so be it. Iowa, of course, got Seth Anderson already out of the portal, but they're still looking for a big receiver. And that's what they need. You need the X guy, right? The guy on the outside, the big playmaker, the Marvin McNutt type. And we've been waiting for a guy like that. Brandon Smith was nice. Amir Smith-Marset made some plays. We, we've had receivers, but getting back to that kind of level of a playmaker on the outside, just how different this Iowa offense can be. Seth Anderson's going to help. He's also taking a big step up from Charleston Southern into the Big Ten. Not a big guy by any means. You know, six foot, 170 pounds. He's going to have to add size to be out there. A guy that can be a playmaker for Iowa next year. And he can't be alone. 
Yeah, you got Nico Ragagini coming back for another season. You hope Brody Brecht, if you're a football fan, is going to be there. I do still wonder if he's ultimately just going to choose to concentrate solely on the uh, footballs uh, from the football side of things and jump into baseball. We know about certainly his exploits over there. I, I think that's something that needs to be looked at and thought about uh, going forward. So those are just a couple of things that you look at with this wide receiver group. So as this is going on, this is what you have returning right now. Deontay Vines, I'm excited about him. Nico comes back for a sixth year. Jacob Bostic, we don't know. Banged up this year, never able to get on the field. 6'2 kid, didn't have great offers coming out of high school. The incoming, incoming players, the Howard kid from Kansas City, big target 6'4 from Kansas City and Kansas State and Kansas didn't even offer him. Bowie from Florida had a bunch of mid-major offers. You know, nothing that blows you away. Moda, 6'1 kid from Marion, playmaker, not even sure if he's a full-time wide receiver. And then, of course, Anderson coming in, as we talked about, the transfer from Charleston Southern. They need more. I mean, you can't go into a season with that being your crew once again in today's day and age where the portal is available. So you look and uh, there's this tracker on Twitter. Really enjoy it. It is called this, Iowa Coach Alert. And very simply, it lets you know people that are being fouled and unfouled by the Iowa coaching staffs on Twitter. This gives you a little bit of insight into the guys that they're looking at, trying to reach out to, see if there's anybody from the transfer portal that they might be interested in. Yesterday, a couple of the guys that they fouled, a couple of wide receivers, Tyler Barnes, the director of recruiting. He follows Damian Alford, kid from Syracuse that had entered the transfer portal, and Donovan Ali from Washington State. Well, we'd already crossed one of them off. Damian Alford, less than a day after he entered the transfer portal, has now left the transfer portal. Not for a new destination. No, he has just decided to rescind his name, and he is no longer in the transfer portal. So cross off Alford. That's easy for us Hawkeye fans to do, right? Easy to cross off an Alford. So right now, the name that we know that they are recruiting, or at least trying to get in contact with, is Donovan Ali. Ali uh, at Washington State. Put up some numbers a year ago, had 43 catches for 491 yards, three touchdowns, 6'3", 210, that big size that you're looking for. But going from Washington State, even minus Mike Leach, as of course he moved on to Mississippi State, still very similar offensive system. They chuck it around a ton. It's a tough sell going from Washington State in the way that they play to the way that Iowa is going to play. And it comes kind of full circle with the conversation that we've been having here today about this. So that is out there right now with the loss of Walter Rouse. Another intriguing idea and thought that is out there. And Scott Dockerman of The Athletic, uh, he threw this out there for the first time earlier this week. And I thought it was an interesting thought. The depth of the defensive line. You get Noah Shannon back for another year of eligibility. That's huge at the defensive tackle spot. Of course, also get Joe Evans back. So you got a couple of defensive linemen. Maybe you didn't anticipate we're going to be there. The depth, as we talked about with Phil Parker, is incredible. You got young guys that continue to be on the come. You got the talent that is already there. Very exciting about some of the young guys and, of course, what they're going to do. Even with the loss of Lucas Van Ness this year, the defensive line is going to be stout again this season. And you have a guy that looks the part of an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman in YA Black. Now, we saw him play a little bit this year, had some moments, had some good plays, but at best next year, short of injuries, he's a guy that's going to play 20, 25 snaps a game, something like that. Now, coming out of high school, he was recruited by a lot of the schools that were after him as an offensive lineman. So do you make the switch? 
Do you make the decision, you know what, we need help at offensive line. We struck out on Walter Rouse. We're excited about Parker coming in. Maybe he's going to help out, but still building that depth, continuing to find guys that can play at a level. And with the frame that he has, six foot five, 300 pounds, maybe you get him up to 320, something like that. I think it's something here in spring that at minimum, you got to toy around with, right? We've seen guys make this switch before. In fact, we just saw one and a guy that did it in the NFL, Matt Nelson, who went from a defensive tackle at Iowa, played very well, Xavier kid, and then went on to the NFL and became an offensive lineman. And it's worked out well for him as he's continuing to collect paychecks with the Detroit Lions. So a thought at the very least, great work out of Dockerman thinking about that and thinking, is this something that makes sense for Iowa? I think it does. If they don't get anybody else out of the portal, not a ready-made starter, I think it's something that you certainly have to look at. We've talked also about the center position, Logan Jones, just how odd it was this year watching him and some of the struggles that he had just with the snaps. And we saw fumbled snaps. We saw delays getting the ball back there. It was hitchy. It was weird. Because of that, is that something where maybe he's ultimately better at a guard position? Again, a lot of toying around that can be done. That's what spring football is about. But a great thought and a great idea, and one that I really like and intrigued by, Y.A. Black, going from the defensive line and jumping over and helping out at the offensive line. Basketball coming your way tomorrow. Iowa women, they get a win tonight. We'll talk about that. The Iowa men against Michigan trying to make it three in a row, trying to get back to 500 in Big Ten play. We talked about it yesterday, and that bubble team looking a little bit better than maybe initially we thought, but you got to continue to pile up those victories, and with three straight in Carver, you want to get the wins right now. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Locked on Hawkeyes. Back with you one final time on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Again, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Our experts, Isaac Shoddy and Andy Patton, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from the big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's wrap things up talking basketball here. Iowa, Michigan coming your way tomorrow night. So the Hawkeyes, they are installed in this one. Uh, looking at the opening numbers that came out, four and a half is the number at bet online. The over-under at 155. They anticipate there's going to be points scored certainly in this uh, basketball game coming up. It's at Carver. Feel good about that. You look at the shooting percentages from Iowa this year. They have been much better at home than they've been on the road or away from Carver this year, shooting the basketball. Michigan, it's been a very uneven season for the Wolverines. They're 50th ranked uh, right now at Ken Pomeroy, about 10 spots below the Hawkeyes. 44th in the country in offensive efficiency. 61st, though, on the defensive end of the floor. They've taken a step back on that one, not forcing turnovers at the same rate that we've seen before, not getting steals like they have in the past. Juwan Howard, he's had his teams play some pretty good defense here recently, but uh, really the last couple of years, they have taken pretty major step back of uh, what we saw early in his tenure at Michigan. So when you talk about Michigan, it starts up front, and this is going to be a different kind of matchup now again for Philip Robracha. And we've talked about his ascension this year and just how good 
Verbrach has been for this team. The consistent effort, staying out of foul trouble, seemingly being the only big guy that they play. The rotation, we haven't seen Big Jelly Agundale as he's battling a knee injury. Still doesn't feel like Fran is real confident with Riley Mulvey and giving him any kind of extended run out there. Hunter Dickinson, 7-1, but not just that. He can shoot it from the outside. He can also knock down shots you know, from the elbow, do things like that. But ultimately, it's about what he does as a post-up. At seven foot one, 260 pounds, he's an absolute load. He also sees the floor incredibly well. When that double team comes, and you can anticipate, Iowa certainly is going to double team him a lot. That is really difficult. Now, the, the fun part about this is what we've seen out of Iowa defensively, and that zone defense has worked really well in the last two victories, both against Indiana and Rutgers. That zone defense has really thrown teams off. And against Rutgers, of course, they're playing a really good big man himself and Big Cliff Amore. And we saw that really slow him down at times and make it difficult. And when they got the ball into the post, just how tough it was. Michigan, we'll see if they're ready to go offensively, what they can do. Uh, some of the other names that you need to know uh, from the Wolverine side of things. Freshman, Jet Howard. That's Juwan Howard's son. Really inconsistent this year. Now, he's a talented guy. He was a top 15 type of player nationally, six foot eight, 215 pounds and shot it from the outside. Well, he's shooting 37% from downtown. Of course he can get to the rim, get into the paint, but consistency has been the issue overall with him. Had 10 points against Michigan state over the weekend before that had 14 against Penn state on uh, the last two times out for him. So that's a guy you definitely need to know. It's Michigan. Feels like they always shoot the basketball well. This year, though, down a little bit from past seasons. 34.6%. Uh, that's good for 156 in the country. Uh, Kobe Bufkin, remember him from a year ago. Uh, that's a name certainly you need to know, but they have struggled at times without Llewellyn, their point guard, after his injury. It's just been an uneven season. Played well, played poorly. Hey, they're going to be ready to go. This is of the next three games, probably the most difficult, but all three of these games can go all the other way. And after what you kind of stole one against Rutgers, I think that's one that we thought of this five game stretch that we talked about was going to be the most difficult. This is one definitely I think is going to be maybe the most difficult of them. Find a way, right? Just find a way. Keep piling up those victories and feels like good things still can happen for Iowa basketball. That's coming away tomorrow. Iowa women tonight, they get it done. 93-64, just a dominating performance out of the Lady Hawks out there. Coach Bluter and company had the team ready to go from the jump. And Northwestern a year ago, they got to see them a bunch of different times and gave some, they gave them some problems at times, kind of the defense that they ran. Well, Iowa... They came out there right away, put 47 points up at halftime. How about the performance from Caitlin Clark? And we see it, say it seemingly every single time. Caitlin goes for 20 points, nine rebounds, and 14 assists in the game. Cesano, she was her standard self. She was great inside with 18.6 rebounds, also three assists, three block shots on top of it. And Hannah Stalky again off the bench. She has been really, really good and sets up a huge matchup for this Iowa women's team now going forward. Of course, had the loss a couple games ago as they dropped one against Illinois over the weekend. Bounced back on Saturday, got the win against Michigan on Fox, and then this win against Northwestern. It'll be Penn State coming up this weekend, and then back-to-back -back road trips at Michigan State and Ohio State. The Buckeyes still have not taken a loss on the season, so that is what is in front of this Iowa women's team. Big stretch in front of them as they work to be 
at minimum top four seed. I mean, that's what you're shooting for, for them. Get into the top four, give yourself an opportunity to play games close to home, get that sweet 16 matchup. Want to stay away from South Carolina. I mean, ultimately that's kind of what it is this year as the Gamecocks look incredibly good again this season. They are the consensus number one team in the country, but fun team, fun game to watch once again out of the Iowa women as they get it done. A big victory against Northwestern, 93-64. to Wrestling team also will be taking on Northwestern coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we got LaShawn Daniels stopping back by. We'll see if he thinks my cockamamie theories are, are all wet. We'll talk some football with him. A little basketball as well. A lot of Hawkeye talk with LaShawn. And then, of course, after the Michigan game against the Hawkeyes, we will break things down with an instant reaction podcast. That'll be in your feeds bright and early right away on Friday night or Thursday night, excuse me, into a Thursday morning. That will do it for today here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, hit that subscribe button. If you can on YouTube, help us out on that front. Five-star reviews on the podcast side always helps us out. And thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast again, Lockdown College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college hoops in one spot. Hear from the big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. LaShawn and Trent will be with you. Thanks for joining us here today on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Go Hawks.